Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. I cannot tell you how much I love Valentine's Day radio. I love it. I love all of the playlists because it's not like you're playing Luther Vandross every single day. You can't really get away with Marvin Gaye beds in the background. You can't really get away with genuine coming in every now and then to help you talk about the trade market at the quarterback position. But Valentine's Day allows you to do so. 704-570-9610. Somebody get this microphone of Cialis. I've been waiting to use that I'm one. I'm shook. I've been waiting to use that one for you, so long. You're telling me Jerry V came back in that? That is the form in which we brought <laughs> Jerry V back to tell us to get a microphone, a Cialis? Goodness gracious. All right, let's go to the text line, 704. That shook the hell out of me, to be honest with you. 704-570-9610. 919 number wrote in, bra, Wes, it was just Christmas. Stop making your fellow men look bad with what you got for your girl, not only on Christmas, but here on Valentine's Day. So you showed well, out. I'm not trying said. to make anybody look bad. I just said that the previous text did not make me look bad. And also, mm-hmm. he must not listen enough to know that I don't celebrate Christmas, so I do no Christmas shopping. No, but he was he was just saying, I don't think he was putting that out there. He was no, just no, saying, that's fine. I'm, I'm not saying anything, but he was saying, no. that, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> he said, bruh, Wes, it was just Christmas. Stop making your fellow men look bad. Like, if we celebrate Christmas, then you're making us look bad because now we're not getting the same that you are. No. That's the text. If you got a good woman, she will appreciate anything you do for her because she knows it comes from the heart. Right? I mean, if you're coming in All with right, something look. and she complains, then you might need to show her the door. Um, okay. There's dating advice from Wes Bryant. Mike from <laughs> Mooresville, he wrote in Harris Teeter for flowers. So people are writing oh, in their yeah, flowers. Oh, yeah. Harris Teeter has good flowers. They do. Sure. I have actually purchased flowers from Harris they Teeter have good before. good everything. So Harris Teeter, that's true as well. Harris Teeter for flowers, definitely. JP in Mooresville. So a couple Mooresville listeners writing in. Boys, the flower move this year got a live in-bloom orchid. That's my favorite flower. At Food Lion for $17. Roses gone in a week this lasts all year. Yo, flowers are it's pricey. They man. are pricey, but that's a good deal, right? It Got is. a live in bloom it orchid, is. $17. That's fantastic. Because the thing about flowers is you can mask the price. Like, even if you're not trying to necessarily impress your girl with how much you spent on it, mm-hmm. but you know, you get flowers. They don't know, you know, a lot of times they don't know what you pay. Yeah. And uh, somebody said, the wife, by the way, I need to stop saying that. That sounds bad. My wife gave me a Lowe's gift card for Christmas. That works out perfectly when I talked about Lowe's being a great flower shop in mm. case some of the other places are a little busy. And uh, so I'm glad that that yeah, works I, I out. I like local for uh, for floors as well, man. That's why I was glad to find that spot mm-hmm. uh, up at Concord. Because, you know, you have the flowers.com and, you know, 1-800-Flowers and stuff like that, man. But I like to do local for floors. Even though you may end up paying a little bit more, though. Yeah, you definitely yeah, you definitely will. All right, let's talk a little bit more about college basketball. Yes. ACC game last night between North Carolina and Miami. The Tar Heels, 
They lose to the Hurricanes. The Canes are playing very well right now. They have an excellent trio with what you have from that squad. And Isaiah Wong didn't even get going last night, to be honest with you. And that is one of the better players in the ACC. So unfortunately for North Carolina, they weren't able to capitalize on that. I do want to ask, with Miami having the success they have this year, Fiddy said that they were the best team in the ACC. We talked about Virginia maybe last week still being our best team in the conference. And Tony Bennett could be in the running for coach of the year at this point. But would you give that instead to Jim Laranega for what the uh, for what the Hurricanes have been able to do this year? Wes, if I had to ask you, coach of the year in the ACC at this point, who would you give that award to? May not be popular here on the set with a certain person, but I would go with one Jeff Capel as the coach of the year so far. Pittsburgh was a team that was picked to finish near the bottom of the league. I can't remember exactly where they were, but I know they were in that bottom three. So for them to be currently tied for the ACC lead, and they have had some big wins to kind of stamp that as far as them being legit, uh, I would have to go with Pitt for sure. I didn't expect much from them this season. That's always kind of my criteria for coach of the year. Either you have a stellar season on a team, like let's just say, for instance, Carolina had only one loss or two losses at this point. Then I think you could throw like a Hubert Davis. That's kind of my criteria when you have a really good team. But more times than not, I'm going to go with the coach whose team was not, you know, they weren't expected to do much. And the only reason why I love Coach L, that's my guy, I was saying last night, you know, he's forgotten more about basketball than I'll ever know. But Miami last year had a deep tournament run. They were playing really good basketball, and they've continued that as well, even though he's added a couple of new cast cast, uh, players to this team, uh, mainly Nigel Pack and some of those guys. Awesome last night. So, uh, yeah. But, no, I I think he's right there, but I would go with Jeff Capel. Yeah, Smitty from the city said Kevin Keats for sure. He's in there, too. Dude went from the hot seat to one of the best seasons in the last decade so far. Let's ask the man that you thought it might not be a popular opinion to go with. Jeff Capel, you said (laughs) that might not be popular, and you were meaning Fiddy in that because of Pittsburgh's success against North Carolina. Jason Capel's love for his alma mater. Well, of course, 100%. Jason Capel being on the (laughs) staff of the guy who wins Coach of the Year might not sit well either, but Pittsburgh, they are atop the conference right now they are 11 and 3 virginia 11 and 3 too but the panthers right there next to the cavaliers do you have a problem with jeff capel getting this award no he definitely needs to be under consideration because he turned around a lifeless program i mean this was a program that a few years ago because of his name and his stature was able to recruit a really uh, you know a fair amount of talent into that program and they all left Mm-hmm. And so now he's kind of doing it with some transfers and some other guys, and he's got this team 11-3. and three. They're as mentally tough and physically tough there is a team that does exist in the ACC. The reason I lean more to Keats is because I believe more in them when we get into a tournament setting because the way NC State plays with the press combined with that backcourt, I don't know how you guard DJ Burns. I have a lot more faith in NC State going on a run more so than Pittsburgh, but – Either way, those two dudes are the clear and obvious choices to be the coach of the year in this conference. Kevin Keatson, who was the other name that you mentioned? Capel. Capel, yeah. See, I'm interested in Tony Bennett. And the reason why, because I think Virginia, when you look at the success that they've had this season, they're 19-4 and overall. Mm -hmm. It's a tremendous year. So if you're talking about overall record, not conference, but overall record, 19-4 and is the best. 
they are the highest rated team in the ACC coming in at seven. Miami only 21 and five. So it's not like they have, you know, a million more losses than Virginia. And I think Jim Laranaga needs to be in the running here also. But I just think when we talk about the Clemson in college football situation where you're talking about what does Dabo Sweeney have to do in order to win that award? If Tony Bennett has this kind of season after what happened last year, right? And I know he's got a really good defensive backcourt, but how much talent does Virginia have compared to a Miami, compared to a Pittsburgh, compared to Clemson, NC State? And so with Tony Bennett getting back to the top 10, I think it goes to show just how great of a coach he is within the ACC too. I don't think it's a runaway. I actually think it's really hard this year. I think Jeff Capel, Tony Bennett, Jim Laranega, Brad Brownell, deserves to be in this convo too. It's not like people had Clemson being towards the top of the ACC. And then you mentioned Kevin Keats. I think it's a really hard decision this season for coach of the year. Yeah, for me with Tony Bennett, the only reason why I can't, I kind of discredit him is because I expect this from Virginia. I mean, I know last year they had a bit of a down year, but just two seasons ago, they were tops in the ACC uh, for regular season. They were the regular season champs. So I expect Virginia to have these type of seasons, and that's the only reason why. Well, and I understand that. This is this is something I bring up all the time when we talk about Coach of the Year conversation and even coaching hires. Mm-hmm. It's how we evaluate guys where Tony Bennett is now done a disservice because of his ability yeah. to turn around a program. So because Virginia, under Tony Bennett, has become a powerhouse – especially in the ACC, they have the championship. They have number one seeds that they gain in the NCAA tournament because he's done that. And now here he is a seventh. He doesn't have a shot in a lot of people's minds to win ACC coach of the year because we want to give it to Jeff Capel for turning it around. And I think he deserves to be a part yeah, of the turn around. I'm a sucker for turnaround. That's what everybody is though. You're not alone. You're not, you're in the majority. Yeah. You're not even in, you're not unique, not rare. Like you're in the majority of all of that. And honestly, I'm not saying I'm outside of that group. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to be impressed with what Jeff Capel was able to do because you're right. If we're talking about programs that were so far down on the list, then you're going with NC State or Pittsburgh because Kevin Keats was about to get fired. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a lot. In fact, I mean, how deep into this season did we talk about Kevin Keats? And we just fired? had a guy on the radio that said that regardless of what he does this season, the fans have already made up their mind. I just always want to bring it back and so give obvious. some love to Tony Bennett to a Dabo Sweeney when we talk about Clemson where, you know, they have two losses. It's Is Clemson still a powerhouse? Well, no, but they only have two losses, I, and we're not even considering them. I guess the thing is is that you feel like it's kind of the Michael Jordan MVP effect. You feel like they could win it every year. Uh-huh. So it's like, and I think that hurts them too because you look at Tony Bennett, and it's like pick a year that you could choose for him to be that. Yeah, uh, no, 100%. And, and so it, it's funny too, like when we talk about the regular season, I wonder where Hubert Davis would have been had you included postseason, right, last year. Because in the regular season, nobody was going to give Hubert Davis coach of the year. But then you get to the championship, and now it's like, okay, we're excited about him being the coach once again. Now here he is with a seat sizzling just a little bit. So, you know, when you talk about that, um, you have to wonder if North Carolina is really going to miss out on March Madness this year. I mean, right now, just looking at the rest of their schedule, I I think it breaks pretty well for them. 
But man, you know, when you're talking about such a successful postseason, not mm-hmm. regular season, but such a successful postseason, that gives you a little cushion for him to avoid the hot seat, much like Kevin Keats had been on for a long time now with NC State. So do you think that the season is over for North Carolina? Just to re, uh, just to bring back a conversation that we had earlier in the show, do you think that it's over after their loss to Miami last Yes, time? because I think that, they have some tough games remaining, and I just don't see, based off how this team's playing and their flaws, that they're going to be able to be able to, uh, you know, get the troops together, so to speak, to be able to get some of those big wins that they're going to need to be able to scratch their way into the tournament. So here's an interesting take from John Crispin. He talked about the end of the season and how the last ten games should hold more value to the committee with all of the transfers and how much longer it takes to mesh with your team, trying to build all of that chemistry, how the last 10 games should matter more when talking about your tournament chances. I just want to know who you are the last 10 games of the season. And I know the NCAA tournament kid, maybe saying we're we're not as worried about that. Like that doesn't play into it. The whole body of work. Well, that's dumb. You should take the last 10 games and say they are worth 50% of your grade. I want to see teams that are playing well as of late because they're just now starting to figure out who one another is and are just now figuring out what it takes to win at this level with this new group that I just learned about. I think more so than ever before, I am more concerned with who you are now as opposed to who you were in November, December. Do you agree with that take, considering all of the movement that we've had, the new identity of college basketball, relying so much on transfers where it might take some time? So, okay, if you are a team that takes advantage of the transfer rule and you lost a few games at the beginning of the season. It's mm-hmm. not the greatest start, but now you're really cooking as the year goes on. Would you give more credence to some of those teams that are playing hot as the season ends? Um, the only reason I do think that matters, but I'm still going to look at your total body of work because you do go back and I have a tendency to go back and say what teams too. Well, that was the beginning of the season. They're a different team now. So, um, because one way to think about it is the fact that everybody has to play by these rules. All these programs are getting transfers. All these guys have to kind of make it work uh, all season long. But I'm going to uh, stick with normally how I go as well. I do think teams that are uh, hot late do deserve uh, some credit and the benefit of the doubt a little bit. Yeah, I think it. I think it's a slippery slope. Because, one, with a lot of these teams you're talking about, they have softer schedules where you play maybe a couple of non-conference tough opponents, but then you might beat up on Division Two or whatever, right? Or, you know, mid-major schools, teams that you're clearly going to be the favorite in. And so that gives you a little bit of time to work out some chemistry issues. Then you get into conference play, and... That's just a part of the philosophy. Like, if you if you want to transfer, if you want to bring some of those guys in, fine. But that might come to the detriment of you not having enough chemistry. You know, it kind of goes to what we talked about with North Carolina and the way they've been able to win championships. Or when you look at some of their successful seasons, getting to the Final Four, it often is, in the one-and-done era, recruiting guys that weren't going to leave after a year. And I don't care what style you choose. There are pros and cons to both. But if you're North Carolina, then all right. It's going to take a little while for Joel Berry to become a stud in college basketball. It's going to take a little while for Bryce Johnson to start being in the POI conversation. You know, Marcus Page, he was great right at the beginning, but, you know, how many other guys are considered top flight prospects after just one year? I mean, Page wasn't. Nas Little is like the biggest prospect I can remember as far as a one and done guy recently. Kobe White became that as he played with North Carolina. 
So that's just the philosophy. There are pros and cons to all of it. If you want to go in the transfer portal, cool. Part of what's going to the transfer portal, though, is getting guys that have already played pretty well, maybe at their other schools, right? So you're not getting guys that don't know how to play. Hell, Tyree Appleby's like, what, 24 years old? Right. (laughs) So... How much time does he need to be able to mesh if he already understands the game of basketball better than an 18-year-old? Yeah, I I don't know if I put all that much more importance at the end. Yeah, and so I think that uh, I agree with you as well. It's it's always tough because, as I said, I kind of go back and forth. I do like the total body of work, and then I do like who's playing well at the end. I kind of... I would say I'd give it a 50-50 split, but you do kind of lean mm-hmm. towards how a team is playing at that moment because, like I said, we're all uh, have a tendency at times to be prisoners of the moment. Yeah, so we'll see exactly what how many ACC teams are in. It's going to be an interesting conversation to have as the year goes on with North Carolina being on the bubble. NC State looks great right now. You have Miami getting that win against the Tar Heels, so plenty of ACC conversation as the year goes on. Let's switch gears. Let's go back to Carolina. The Panthers conversation coming up next. How about Jim Caldwell? He is a part of the coaching staff after all. Where does his hiring rank on the hierarchy of the staff additions this offseason? It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Like I'm watching Remember the Titans at yeah. this point hearing this one. That's what I think about when I hear this one. Everybody knows this one. Can Ryan Gosling dancing around. <laughs> a liability at cornerback, by the yeah. way. Ryan Gosling <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> Petey. Ooh, if, if it wasn't for Petey, I don't know if they're winning the championship. Right, right, right. Women need to know that when they like Ryan Gosling the next time. When they start to talk about how attractive he is, he wasn't yeah. attractive at cornerback. And he also right. wasn't very attractive in the notebook. You don't think so? There's not, there's not a good performance of Noah. A lot of people would disagree with you. A lot of people. I mean, pretty much everybody. There's yeah, that's another movie. one, too. Are people going to be watching movies tonight? You know, love being that, the movie. Oh, yeah, that's true. The I'm notebook. sure a lot of people are going to be watching The Notebook tonight. Yeah. I, I want to hear from Fiddy on this more than anybody, to be honest with you, because <laughs> you have shown a softer side when it comes to movies. What mm-hmm. movie, if you had a Valentine's Day na- uh, night... And you needed to bring somebody at home. And then, you know, you're doing the Netflix and chill thing. What movie, if you have every movie at your disposal, what movie are you putting on? Fifty Shades. Okay. Yeah. Right. Why I what else would we myself? expect? Well, I did it to myself. <laughs> what do I do? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, people. No, I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, Dear John, which is a Nicholas Sparks book, uh, you know, made into a movie is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Safe Haven's really good. We talked about, I think, a couple of them. Those are it. Those are the movies that you're going with. 
Yeah, because I mean, I don't think the notebook, the notebook's not. First off, the notebook is, isn't even the best book Nicholas Sparks wrote. The sequel's a better book. It's not a good movie. Um. So yeah. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> that was riveting. Yeah. All right, we got a couple of those movies. We can go to you, Wes, wherever you want to take us, man. As far as movies, Valentine's Day or just anything? Love and basketball. What? Oh. Yes. Yeah, love and basketball. Now that might be it for me. I was going to tell you to go wherever, but now you brought up love and basketball. I love me some love and basketball. That was like the first love movie that I ever liked myself as a kid. So now Lathan, Omar Epps, absolutely love basketball myself. That was like my favorite movie as a kid. 100% that was it. I'm trying to think. Uh, I did like what women want, but I know that you know Mel Gibson is not a popular guy. Yeah, that one's a bad one uh, these days. Somebody just wrote in "Love and Basketball." By the way, I don't know if that was a coincidence or not, but well done, 100. percent I mean, people love that movie, so it's going to be hard to go wrong with that. Um, it is. Let's see. We don't have to keep it alive if you don't want to. It seems no, like no. I'm dying. not. That's I'm not. Do you have any movies you want to offer here? Uh, I'm not I just opposed said love to that. And basketball. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, we can talk about yes. Jim Caldwell. Do you want to drive us here, Wes, and talk a little <laughs> bit more about Jim Caldwell and try to get us on track? Well, yes. Okay. We can talk about uh, Jim Caldwell's hiring. Where does that rank on the hierarchy of staff additions? Okay. For me, what do you think? <laughs> this is seamless. I'm going to talk about Jim Caldwell being towards the top. To be honest with you, and. I think it's because we're talking about another guy that was considered as a head coaching candidate. Mm-hmm. Ajero Avero is still number one to me. If you're if you're discussing a candidate that everybody else wanted and everybody else was at least considering as a head coach guy, and then you get him as your defensive coordinator, even if he's gone after one season, it's because he's so coveted out there. I still put him at number one. And then after that, I think I'll put Jim Caldwell number two because I do I do like somebody that has led the Detroit Lions to a couple of playoff appearances. And he was the last coach to do that with the Lions organization. Okay, He's worked with good quarterbacks like Matthew Stafford. If you don't like that, he's also worked with Peyton Manning. The last time he had a bad year, just an outright awful year, it was with Peyton Manning uh, being injured. And then you had that bridge year where, like, I think it was Curtis Painter. Was it, was it Curtis Painter as the starting quarterback? Uh, another Purdue great, another a member of the Painter lineage at Purdue University. And that was about all you were working with. So, yeah, give me Jim Caldwell, bring that experience, being another head coaching candidate to be alongside here. I, I might put him second. You know, James Camp and I love, too, at offensive line. I think that really helps. But I'll go top three with bringing him atop the staff. I'm with you. I will go with number two. Uh, I'm going to give Evero the benefit of the doubt, putting him at number one because so many people wanted him. And this hire, as I said, was so lauded by so many uh, in the national media and those around the game. But I think getting a guy like Carwell with his experience, this is a guy that knows how to rebuild coaches. And not that the Panthers need a rebuilding of their culture, but this is a guy that just knows how to, you know, get the losing mentality out. And if you are able to do that at Detroit, you can do it anywhere. It's like New York as a performer. If you can perform there, you can perform anywhere. So I think that if you can win in Detroit, uh, you can win and bring wealth of experience uh, anywhere. So or bring a wealth of experience anywhere. So I think that hire was very tremendous, not to mention just the, the demeanor that he brings, um, that he's going to bring into that building every day. So I think this was a tremendous uh, get for those guys getting Coach Caldwell. Now, another interesting thing to talk about here is that Jeremy Fowler said that D'Amico Ryans would have been interested in this job if – Tepper pursued him harder. So do we think 
that they should have pursued him harder. Yeah, I mean, D'Amico Ryans, I would have been just fine with being the head coach here too. But it was clear that they weren't going the defensive coordinator route. It, it, it was clear that they were always going to hire somebody of the offensive ilk, and that's why they got Frank Reich. And then it seems like also among the defensive minds that they would bring in to possibly get this job, like Majero Averro, they were always going to have their eye on that person getting the defensive coordinator job. Mm-hmm. And so I would have been just fine with D'Amico Ryans as the head coach. I think he did a great job with San Francisco, and so that would have been just fine with me. I just think it's interesting. Jeremy Fowler wrote this in a back and forth alongside Dan Graziano, a part of ESPN, and they were ranking all of the coaching hires that we saw. And so when it got to Frank Reich, they both discussed how it's ultimately going to come down to the quarterback position, but how Jeremy Fowler was talking about D'Amico would be interested in Carolina because they do have some pieces to work with. But Carolina didn't necessarily go after D'Amico, which is interesting because to me, this is someone that was coveted by a lot of different franchises. It seemed like Denver wanted D'Amico Ryans and then Houston decided to go after D'Amico. And then, so he goes back to an old familiar place, uh, coaching where he used to play. And then Denver says, you know, fine, we'll trade for Sean Payton. And eventually that's how that marriage ends. It's uh, or excuse me, starts up um, going into the next season. So, yeah, I just think if, if you had D'Amico Ryans and you piqued his interest, and you still decided to go elsewhere, not even with an interview process. And apparently logistics didn't allow them to have an interview because they were going on a playoff run. Yeah, kind of weird there, especially with that comment that we got from Fowler. Yeah, I think that uh, D'Amico Ryans was definitely a viable candidate. I could see maybe why the Panthers weren't too concerned because, as we said, they wanted to go with an offensive candidate. So... Uh, this doesn't really make me feel one way or the other because the Panthers, like I said, were hell-bent. The only thing I could think of is just going through the process with him and seeing what type of offensive philosophy that he had and who he wanted to bring in to help him with that I think could have helped his case a lot um, because I do think that he would have done well uh, with his defense. I thought that I think the Panthers have some good pieces uh, to be able to put there to get him started on the right track as far as trying to build a San Francisco-like uh, defense. Well, and, and 980 number wrote in, I think some candidates didn't come because of respect for Wilkes. I haven't seen that reported. Hmm. I don't interesting know, theory. I don't know if that would have happened. Steve Wilkes then going to be defensive coordinator for San Francisco. So that's something there as well, where those guys not flip-flopping different positions, but you do have Ryan's becoming a head coach. And now I believe we got some news as well coming out of the Arizona front, right, Fitty, where we have a, a, a candidate finally being hired, and that will end all of the head coaching vacancies, if I'm not mistaken. Who has been hired to be the head coach for Arizona? I was saving this for my flash because I didn't know if the Cardinals were worthy of the breaking news sounder. Okay. But they have hired Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon, so the blows keep coming for Philly. They became the second team ever to blow a double-digit lead at halftime in the Super Bowl. And today, on the same day, they've lost their OC, Shane Steichen to Indy, and their DC, Jonathan Gannon, now to Arizona, which means Nick Sirianni had to catch myself there. Has a lot of work ahead of himself this offseason to get the Eagles back in Super Bowl form next year. So this is the problem with going to a Super Bowl and why it's so hard to stay at the top. It's because not only do you lose players because so many other teams want to get your free agent because they played well enough for you to get to the Super Bowl, but also they're picking apart your coaching staff. It's one thing that has kind of helped Kansas City with Eric Bieniemy, uh, Eric Bieniemy staying a part of that organization. And even if he leaves, you're always going to have Andy Reid. So it's the idea that okay, 
Can you get your brilliant X's and O's mind in place so you never lose them to another coach trying to go hire that guy? And is that going to be the same thing for Philadelphia? Is Nick Sirianni enough of a smart offensive mind to where he can lose a couple of these coaches and still be successful with the roster that has been put in place? Because it's really talented. I'm not sure about the free agent situation right now. But you do have your quarterback. You're still going to have a really nice offensive line. You still have Devontae Smith, and you trade for A.J. Brown. I still think Philly's going to be fine. How worried are you about them losing some coaches? Um, I think it definitely matters as far as continuity and things of that nature. But I think that Sirianni, as long as the personnel stays about the same, I don't see – now, I'm not going to say I don't see them falling off because a lot of times – history dictates more times than not the team that loses the Super Bowl struggles the next season and in a lot of cases misses the playoffs. So uh, I'm not going to say they're not going to miss a beat and be right back. But uh, just as far as just if they can keep the majority of their personnel together, they should be able to uh, offensively execute and defensively execute uh, how they did before. I don't think there's any way that they allow Brian Johnson to leave the organization, right? I mean, that would just be too much. You would want Brian Johnson to get that job to remain there. OC after Shane Steichen leaves for Indianapolis. So you're losing if you're Philadelphia, your offensive and defensive coordinators. And, you know, you might lose Brian Johnson because somebody else wants him to be the OC for a different organization. I think that that has to affect the Panthers because Johnson, I just don't feel like the Eagles are going to allow him to leave. Yeah, they probably won't. I mean, at this point, you would think that he would be next in line to be promoted. Um, but he's going to have to try to look because regardless, he's going to have to make some hires, whether he promotes guys that were under uh, these coordinators and puts them in their seat. And then he's going to have to replace them. So he's going to have to get out there on the hunt. So what's interesting about what you also said, too, about the Super Bowl teams, if you lose or even sometimes the teams will win and they don't get back there. You saw it last year with the Rams, at least one of the two teams, right? The Rams this was a team that went all in. They said bleep them picks, and they went after Jalen Ramsey a couple years ago on top of having Aaron Don- uh, Donald. They went after Von Miller, right? They sign Odell Beckham Jr. They go after Matthew Stafford, and they win. But then as soon as they start to uh, undergo some health problems, Cooper Cup gets injured, they don't even have a shot to make it to the Super Bowl. They don't even reach the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Cincinnati, very real. That was a young team. Yeah. And they got there probably a little early last year. And I think that's why you're looking at the Cincinnati team, and I think they have some real staying power. You go back a couple of years ago, and you have Tampa Bay and Kansas City, where you are you might be talking about the two best quarterbacks of all time by the end of Pat Mahomes' career, because we already know one is going to be up there. The year before that, it's Kansas City and San Francisco. And San Francisco... What was their attrition hit the 49ers hard that next season? They had a lot of injuries. Jimmy G got hurt. It was it was a lot. And so that's just kind of how it goes. Plus, you're talking about some coordinators moving in and out of that organization, too. And so it's kind of hard to keep some continuity, at least from a next year standpoint. Not, you know, every other year, maybe you're able to climb back. Point being, I I will say, I don't think Philadelphia is going to be like that. And I think it's because they have so many young positions. I think you are talking about an excellent wide receiver duo. You're not going to have Miles Sanders, in my opinion, next year. I think he's gone. He's a free agent. So I don't think you're going to allocate money to him. But you got Kenneth Gainwell. You got Boston Scott. If you look at the Super Bowl winners and the leading rusher for those teams, a lot of them are like 
second round or later drafted guys. Mm-hmm. A lot. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was a first round pick for Kansas City. And he's not even the best running back on that roster anymore. I mean, it's pretty clearly Isaiah Pacheco after just one year of even being an undrafted guy. You think Philadelphia, is it going to go so far back as you think they might miss the playoffs? Is it going to be that kind of of struggle? Or do you just not expect them to get back, but they could still get in as like a six or five seed? Well, only eight teams in NFL history have made the Super Bowl after losing it. And only three have won it after losing it. And then uh, the thing I think about Philadelphia, the biggest thing to me is the attrition. Uh, just as far as the bodies having to play this late into the year, turning back around and starting it all over again because injuries hit everybody. Then you talk about the coaches that have now gone. But the biggest thing, too, is that Philadelphia played a um, near last place schedule last year as far as how they had finished the year before. Mm-hmm. Or I think middle of the pack, somewhere in there. But their schedule, strength of schedule was really weak. Now you're going to play a second-place schedule next year. You're going to be playing all the best defenses. You're going to be playing other prolific offenses. It's not going to be – not to mention your division is really difficult. And I think that's hard to put that together two years in a row when you're going to be playing the best teams. You're going to play Kansas City again. You're going to play the Niners. You're going to play – uh, I believe a second place schedule, you play all the division winners as well. I know Super Bowl winning, you play all the division winners, but I think second place, you do that as well. But I know it's a really strong schedule, and that's the biggest thing to me that I think Philly's going to have a little bit of a tougher time. And, and pl- I don't know that they'll be back up there again with that bye and a top seed. Well, they're not sneaking up on anybody this year anymore, right? Like, you know what Jalen Hurts is now. You know what this team has the ability to do now, where I, I wonder just how much that would infiltrate the minds of some of the opposition they were facing. Okay, this is not a Super Bowl team, but then eventually they became extremely good. Now, I after watching what they did this offseason, they absolutely went after it, especially with these trades and signing. I mean, CJ, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, what he did in the Super Bowl, even with the defense not playing well, he had a couple of really nice hits. I thought he was one that you could single out and say, okay, he came to play today. And that was somebody they acquired via trade. You know, you go out and you get a James Bradbury to put alongside a Darius Slay. I mean, that's an excellent cornerback tandem. And yes, Bradbury gets called for the hold, but still a very good corner. So we'll see if Philadelphia can stay afloat. That's what you want if you're Carolina. Can you get that guy in place to where even if a Jero Averro leaves like a Gannon does Philadelphia, can you replace him and then you're still good to go? Can you have that staying power if you're Carolina? You got to get there before you stay there. But hopefully we see that first domino fall into place so we can have some consistency here in Charlotte. Yeah, and just to go further on what we were talking about, 17 teams have missed the playoffs uh, after losing the Super Bowl. Five loss in the wild card round, 13 individuals, seven in the conference division. No, excuse me. Seven in the conference championship game, six lost the Super Bowl, eight won the Super Bowl. So... There you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, And then real quick, too, I wanted to get in uh, to go back before we go to break on the movies really quick. I had to just jog my memory a bit. Uh, Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio. I always liked that movie. Oh, that was a huge stank face from Fiddy. I always liked that. I don't care what Fiddy has to say. That movie sucks. I like the movie. Well, that's your opinion, Fiddy, and that's why you're you and I'm me. They made it like real life. It doesn't stay true to the brilliance (laughs) that is William Shakespeare. I think, well, can you please please enlighten us on your Because wasn't it like an MTV movie or something like that? Like, of course it was going to be off the beaten path of Shakespeare. Can you? I would love to hear you quote some Shakespeare right now. I don't have to quote him because 
He's a distant relative. Oh, is he? I didn't know that. So yeah, you his, yeah, yeah, yeah. William Shakespeare's his stage name. Okay. His his actual English name was Marlowe. Oh wow, ancestry. Oh. Did they tell you that? Did and, you send your DNA to the government? So you know what? They, I'm just asking. I'm at, I'm over here being legit, and you're over there being a smart butt. I didn't know that you were. Smart I didn't know that you were related to William Shakespeare. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, he spelled his name with an e at the end. I don't. Uh huh. Because you know. Old English. That's yeah. what would happen. Maybe you're looking for recent. La La Land was fire. I slept on that. I didn't love La La, 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 La Land. Good. I thought it was good. But that's my opinion, and that's what makes me, me, and you, that's you. Right. That's what they say. At least, I think that's how we should end every radio debate. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Carolina can get to the Super Bowl? No. Well, that's your opinion. And that's why you're you and I'm me. <laughs> All right, well, let's see what, uh, Fitty's, uh, what he's got cooking up over there on the last Fitty Flash of the day. Uh, well, since we did the Jonathan Gannon to Arizona, I don't really have a whole <laughs> lot for you. Although, Deuce Staley does have a role on this Panthers staff. He's now been named the running backs coach and assistant overall mm. uh, coach on the staff. So many thought when he came here, he would maybe be the offensive coordinator. It appears that, that that's obviously not going to happen now. So he does officially have a role yeah, here running, in Carolina. Not surprised. Exactly what I thought he was going to be. And then when he left Detroit, we all thought there was going to be that same kind of title for him. And maybe I thought there was a shot for him to become the offensive coordinator. We still don't have that in place yet. Jim Bob Cooter, a name that was thrown out there. We thought maybe they'd be waiting for Philadelphia, but we've talked about the likelihood that Brian Johnson could be that guy. So who knows? That's the last real big piece to the puzzle that we're all trying to figure out on who is going to be a part of this coaching staff that we've praised so much. Yeah, and I mean, I, I didn't think Deuce Taylor would really be anything else if they didn't name him the uh, offensive coordinator that I knew that he was more than likely going to be the running back. So, so not surprised at all. When we come back, the Black History Sports Hero of the Day. You are immersed in the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Tied up, you better stay tied up because it's cheaper to keep. <laughs> this is from T. It says, It's cheaper to keep her. Hey, man. You know, my That's grandfather's trying to get some game right there. Game spitter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's family? Yeah, man, it, that's that's my mom's dad, uh, my grandfather, Johnny Taylor. It passed away some years ago. Had the first platinum single ever uh, in the history of music when they started to do that, when that became a thing. And, uh, you know, we get a little salacious here sometimes on Wesson Walker. There's some situations today that aren't so great, but they're going to try to make it work. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of men that are trying to hold on to their woman for whatever reason that may be. Mm-hmm. 
And so the game spitter Johnny Taylor is telling you, hey man, sometimes it's cheaper to keep. Her. You might wanna, <laughs> you might wanna walk outside the house. You might wanna look elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But when you start adding in that child support and that alimony and all the things that may come with it, it's cheaper to keep your woman, brother. Yeah, wise words. Thank you. That is the <laughs> Valentine's Day when when people ask me what I learned today or what kind of Valentine's Day shenanigans I got involved in, I'm going to say, you know what? I learned that it's just cheaper Snoop, to keep her. Snoop said this on uh, one of his songs before be- before it started when he was just talking into the mic. It's probably one of the better pieces of advice that you could take from Snoop on a Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, he said the woman, get... he said, well, he didn't say it exactly in these words, but he said yeah, his woman, he said his woman took him to court for child support. I mean, yeah, there's a, it's cheaper to keep. Oh, yeah, that that's something that we could do. We could do a hip hop <laughs> words of advice version yeah, of Valentine's yeah, Day. That's yeah. next year, though. So you're back on the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. You got a little bit of time left to hit us up on the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. And you have all the time in the world to hit us up on Twitter. Hit that follow button. Get us the 1K. Weston Walker, W-E-S-A-N-D. W-A-L-K-E-R. I paid attention in language arts. Remember that, Walker? Mm-hmm, I do. Uh, no, I don't remember language arts, but I, I do remember <laughs> how to spell Weston Walker. I figured that out pretty quickly. All right, man. Let's take it over to the Black History Sports Hero of the Day. No church in the wild. Okay? That beat is so fire. But today's hero, we're going to continue with the Super Bowl theme since we are just a couple of days removed. We're going to talk about the first ever Super Bowl MVP. You saw the pictures online yesterday of Patrick Mahomes out with the kids and the wife celebrating his Super Bowl MVP at Disney World. Well, the first ever African-American Super Bowl MVP was one Franco Harris. I'm sure the Black and Gold Nation will be excited about that. He was the most valuable player of the Super Bowl. Uh, what is the one that's a one X? Is that what what number is that? Oh man, when when you ask me math questions, all it does is just make me look wildly stupid, and you catch me with my pants down. So please don't do that. <laughs> I'm not trying to. We man. can just move on. Nine. Super Bowl nine. Super Bowl nine. That's Boom! There we go. Super Bowl nine. He rushed for 158 yards and a touchdown on 34 carries. They won 16 to six over the Minnesota Vikings. He was the first African-American as well as the first Italian-American to be named Super Bowl MVP. So there you have it. The first African-American Super Bowl MVP, Franco Harris, recently passed away. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace to him and salute Franco. Okay, there you go. Franco Harris, six straight seasons, by the way, rushing for 1,000 yards. Dude was really underrated because I think a lot of people – Really talk. I think so. I think a lot of people remember him for the immaculate reception, but people need to start remembering how the guy led the league in touchdowns in 1976 with 14 rushing touchdowns. He had multiple seasons with double digits. So I think Franco Harris just at least at least people need to recognize the stats that he put up instead of just always going to the immaculate reception. I thought maybe he was just a great compiler, like you said Emmett Smith was. No, that's just Emmett. He's in a class well, by Franco himself. Well, Franco did win. Uh, well, Emmett won championships too, so I was going to try to say that too. But No. Okay. Walker just disrespects a lot of players. So, <laughs> that's, Okay, let's move on. All right, what's on <laughs> tap tonight? What's on tap? We got some ACC basketball action in the house. We got to see North Carolina and Miami play last night, and so we did see the North Carolina Tar Heels. They fall to the Miami Hurricanes, but NC State, they're going to be taking on Syracuse. What do you think about the Wolfpack and the Orange game tonight? That's going to be an interesting matchup. Syracuse is a feisty bunch, but NC State have 
they are who we think they are. They should go up there and handle business. Kane's Capitals tonight as well. Hockey on okay. the ice. Do you want to give some analysis there? or do you uh, just want to bring I it don't up? have much analysis okay. there. Okay, I know Ovechkin is, I believe, the all-time leading goal scorer. Maybe. I might be wrong there, but I know he passed no, 800. I th- yeah, yeah, he passed 800 recently. Though. Okay. There you go. So there is a little bit of hockey, somewhat analysis mixed in with the NC State Syracuse question. Um, so you have NC State on the road against Syracuse. Duke is going to be hosting Notre Dame. I expect Duke to take care of business there. I don't think anybody is going to go with the Fighting Irish here against the Blue Devils. And then finally, also Pittsburgh. They will be hosting Boston College. Tip for that one is the late game in the conference. That will be set for 9 p.m. here today. And so we'll read a couple of these texts that are coming in a little bit later on into the show um we do have uh, a couple people writing it about acc just asking about nc state's chances kevin keats if they lose to syracuse then how much would that hurt north carolina's win potentially this weekend against the wolfpack how much do you think that would hurt north oh carolina it would definitely win? uh hurt for sure this is the game nc state if they are like i said who we think they are they should not lose this game to Syracuse. They need to handle business. This is a game they should win and they should handle business. So I think it's it's fair to sh- uh, say, if you're a North Carolina fan, then are you actually an NC State fan tonight? And you want them to beat oh, Syracuse wow. because you're talking about some important games. Fiddy, I'll ask you as the Tar Heel fan here, are you actually pulling for the Wolfpack to win tonight because it would mean more for you to be able to beat them, especially with the tournament chances hanging in the balance? I'd rather die than pull for that program in Raleigh. And you, so you'd rather your chances die at a tournament berth this season, maybe? Yes, because then you know how much I get to just endlessly bitch and complain? Nothing makes me happier but, than bitching and complaining. But which means that you would do it regardless. So I'm gonna I don't do that know. anyway. But it, no, I mean, uh-huh. look, no, yeah, no. There's, there's just, I, I'm not one of those. I know the SEC. It just means more. They pull for their, their, their conference. Mm-hmm. I don't. I pull for my team. Yeah. My program. F the rest of the ACC. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Strong strong statement there. Especially Wake Forest. Let's go. <laughs> 100%. Let's go to the Garage Door Guru text line. Some photo finish text coming in. Talking about some of the movies you might be watching tonight for Valentine's Day. Big Cat Dan wrote in the proposal on the comedy side with Betty White, RIP. I said Love Jones. Fantastic. Love Jones as well. I've not seen it. You haven't seen it either. Though, I haven't right? seen it. Best Man. Uh, Best Man is... Father of the Bride? Never heard of it? Never heard of it? No? Father of the Bride? I've never seen it. Do you have any take on Father of the Bride? Uh, I saw the last one that came out on HBO Max. Uh, It was pretty good. I enjoyed it. It was the newest one. They did it all in Miami. It was pretty good. Okay. Did you have some other ones that you wanted to read instead of me? No, go ahead. Okay. (laughs) I like it. No, I just know. I didn't know what movies you had. Dirty Dancing, last one. Okay. (laughs) Nobody puts baby in a corner. (laughs) I've only seen it like a couple times. It seems like you love that movie. Uh, yes, it's it's very good. It's it's. I mean, like I think Footloose is really good too. But Dirty Dancing, Pat, I mean, Patrick Swayze is just phenomenal. Well, somebody else wrote in Crazy Stupid Love a little bit earlier. and then I saw that. That was pretty good. It's a great movie. Yeah. That is a great, if it's going to be on, I'm going to watch it. And I will say, i got to give Ryan Gosling props in that movie. He's a lot more attractive there than he is in Remember the Type. He's just not a good actor, I don't think. I think he does that role well. I think he's good. Well, Steve Carell is great, though, in that. He's great in that movie, right? No, we don't think so? I only look like Steve Carell in The 40-Year-Old Virgin. 
a.k.a. Flounder, and then The Office. Okay, and we'll end on that note. Thank you very much. That'll do it for Wes and Walker. Keep it right here for The Kyle Bailey Show. Of course, alongside Smoke Ludwig, a Valentine's Day version of The Kyle Bailey Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.